welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. Uh, we are down in Dallas, Big D for the Southwest Car Wash Show Convention. Been a really fun uh, couple days. Been doing a lot of stuff here with the IDA, um, Prentice St. Clair. We've got Keith Duplessis. We've got uh, Bob from PNS, Bob Phillips. And uh, we've been down here doing the booth, been down here at the car wash show. And so we all met up uh, over at uh, Little Smokehouse, a uh, little barbecue spot here in um, Texas Live, which is right in Arlington. Um, if you guys are ever over that way, you got to go check it out. It's a massive new place. And uh, we sat down, had some barbecue. Um, we had a, another detailer uh, named Fabian that came through. We had a couple detailers from... Uh, uh, cruising car wash which are customers of mine and uh had a really great time we all got some barbecue we drank some beer so thanks so much to revolver that's an incredible beer company here if you're ever in the texas area you got to get some revolver we love blood and honey ah it's absolutely one of the best beers ever um so uh grab yourself some revolver beer and uh, take a listen to uh, this podcast. We sit down, we eat some barbecue. Uh, you know, so now we are into our, what, our fourth or fifth little barbecue spot. And yes, everything is still outranking the Kansas City joke of barbecue. <laughs> Just kidding, Jake. Uh, hey, you guys, give uh, Jake at Warrensburg a shout. Um, he, uh, he needs some love because his barbecue is slacking. <laughs> Anyway, a lot of fun in this uh, episode. We just talk about uh, a couple different, couple different things, bounce a couple different questions back and forth. Uh, it's just a fun time of eating and getting together and talking about detailing. So, thanks again for all the guys that came out, and thank you guys for listening. As always, make it a great day. All right, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is the remote version. We are at Lockhart Smokehouse in Arlington. And uh, enjoying some fine frosty beverages, and uh, some good uh, some good barbecue. Y'all keep it's all good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so next to me uh, on the podcast before coming out to drink uh, some good revolver beer. What'd you choose, uh, Mr. Luke Greenfield? I went with the uh, Full Tang IPA. Of course you did, because that's course. your yeah. Yeah. I, that's, when Bob got Bob got me one earlier, and I was like, "Oh, Luke will drink the IPA." Yeah, I mean that's what I go with. That's my go-to. Uh, what meat did you go with? Brisket. I'm in Texas, so. Yeah, it is really good. How do you rate it? Uh, better than any of mine, but <laughs> no, it's it's really good. Like. Really juicy, um, tender, tender. has a good smoke, flavor. You got smoke flavor? I got I a smoke. Much smoke flavor. Not a lot. I love smoke. It's got a little smoke ring in it. I see. Um, but it's it's definitely up there. It's good. So Luke, where are you from? I'm from Norman, Oklahoma. Cruise in Auto Spa. And what do you do? Uh, you know, I clean cars from time to time. Not really. 
I don't clean them. <laughs> but I oversee some guys that do a really good job. What do you think of Revolver? I like Revolver. Uh, been enjoying it every time I come down to Dallas for the last few years. Uh, just this last year, they came into Oklahoma finally, so I've kind of got to enjoy them at home. So. Have you got the big fat ring on the brisket? I got the fat ring. Oh. It's really good. Wait, wait. Norm Norman, Oklahoma. Isn't that Carrie Underwood's hometown? No, I think that's Salisaw. She's a little podunk. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, Chicota. It's the same thing. Chicota. Oh, oh, sorry I asked. No, I'm just kidding. Well, please introduce yourself, uh, Mr. Grab the Mic. Oh, yeah, it's uh, Prentice St. Clair. <laughs> The uh, yeah yeah the MC wannabe. The no 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 it's all good it's all good. Prentice St Clair from San Diego Detail and Progress, IDA CDSVRT. Happy to be here. And Prentice, what um, what do you go with? What food? Oh dude, the prime rib. It's the best prime rib I've ever had. And I had the uh, blue cheese coleslaw. Unbelievable. Ooh, coleslaw. Yeah, and I'm not usually a beer drinker, but this is pretty darn good beer. Uh, what'd you get? I got the blood and honey. Oh, did you? Does it have? I don't see any blood. I don't see any honey. It's just it's all a, good. It's got blood oranges. Got a little bit of blood oranges. Mm. And uh, it's a favorite of Daniel Steger. <laughs> right. Of course. Like, he's gonna, I hope he listens and, and he's jealous because that's his go-to. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Every time we've come down, we're at the uh, Southwest Car Wash Association show. And every time we would come down, we always have to get the Revolver Blood and Honey. There's two things Dan needs in Dallas. It's Revolver Blood and Honey and Papa Do's, and that's it. <laughs> We're not going to talk about Papa Do's. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Papa Do's is, is definitely, oh, that didn't take, Papa Do's is definitely, uh, is definitely a go-to when you come down to Dallas. Staple. Uh, where were we? We were in a, uh, we oh, were in an airport. And uh, introduce some guys to Papa Do's. And there's a very famous quote. Besides Luke, does anybody else know the famous quote for Papa Do's? I think I, I know somebody that knows it. He's not paying attention right now, but yeah. Jung. Yeah. yeah, when he when they won the Super Bowl, they said, what are you going to do? He's going to go, I'm going to go to get, what did he say? I'm going to go get some hoes and Papa Do's. Limos, hoes. Oh, and limos, hoes, and Papa Do's. I actually think he he rolled up on Troy Eggman during his post-game interview oh, and yelled at. But definitely any time in Dallas, uh, you know, got to get some Papa Do's. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Metroplex. Yes, sir. Grab that mic. <laughs> Fabian Wells with Metroplex. Detailing. That a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Okay, I promised my wife I wouldn't do this, man. You're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> no, tell us your story. It's pretty unique. Um, I started in, de in uh, detailing when I was in the Navy. Uh, yes, sir. Navy corpsman. Um, I bought my first. Finance cars, a Mazda 323. And I cleaned that car twice a week. <laughs> and I got hosed on the deal. Back then, back in 89, I think I was paying $323 a month for that vehicle. My first experience of getting hosed from a dealer. 
<laughs> they saw me in uniform and it was over. <laughs> so um, I'm a mailman by day and a part-time detailer. Awesome, man. Here in the Dallas Metroplex area. Just got a shop, right? Or uh, signing up one? Yeah, I've been mobile for about three years, and um, we just put a down payment on the shop so I can do more customers because I've been turning away a lot of people. Everybody needs their car detail, man. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan Munsell here. That reminds me of that new Weezer song, Can't Knock the Hustle. Man, <laughs> that is excellent, my friend. Don't run away. Don't run away. Tell us who you are. I'm Jonathan Munsell, uh, the uh, 2019 president of the IDA. Yeah. Nice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Hanging out with the... Extremely shy, by the way. Yeah, very shy. He's just probably no. stepping forward and jumping off the mic. Absolutely. You know, we're going to get him on the mic in a second. That was mm -hmm. Mr. Phillips over there. Bob Phillips. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, current president. Excited to be here. Excited to be hanging out with the boys. Uh, drinking some beers and talking what'd you, about... What'd you get? Um, I went with the Pilsner. They have a beautiful Pilsner. Um, so that is right up my alley. And uh, I've been sipping on that bad boy. It's going down pretty well. And I got myself some some prime rib. I went yeah, I went baby. with Mr. Sinclair. Yeah. Not playing around. Yeah. Love you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Definitely. Want to take that mic? And let's see if we can pass it down. It doesn't matter. Y'all choose. Okay, it went that way. All right, gonna save you guys from here. <laughs> Hello, sir. How you doing, Marty? Good, man. Good. I'm, uh, I'm almost done Marshall. with my brisket. Man, that flavor just stays. It just stays in your mouth. Like, man, it's some it's good. It's so stuff. good that the whatever they use as the rub, it's got that good burnt to it. Okay. Man, yeah. That, it just it's got a good flavor. Yeah, I got the ribs. Smoker or electric smoker? Is there a difference? I mean, that's a those. smoker, right? I mean, you use the word smoker in both. <laughs> so the ongoing joke is I use electric when I smoke uh, barbecue and I get made fun of that it's not true barbecue smoking because I use an electric cheating yeah they call it cheating I call it being innovative <laughs> whenever you tasted right so I'll take and bring you guys barbecue uh, and whenever you've tried it did you go oh that was horrible hey we're all detailers at all <laughs> She did. <laughs> Cutting Never. Corners. Cutting corners. Being innovative. Being innovative. It's not cutting corners. Being innovative. Efficient. Yes. It's very efficient. Big wink. All right, sir, introduce yourself. All right, my name is Matt Gaskill. I also work at Cruising Auto Spa in Norman, Oklahoma. I am one of the managers there. I work uh, with Luke. I pretty much do whatever he tells me to do. I also detail there occasionally. Mm -hmm. It's a great spot. Love it there. All right, so one of the questions we wanted to ask, and we forgot to say it, we'll go back okay. around. But I think as we go from person to person, there's some different uniquenesses to what we do in the industry. So for you, inside a car wash detail shop, what do you think some of the biggest challenges are as a detailer inside a car wash that that details cars too. 
I'd say probably efficiency. Um, Meaning? Well, trying to get pricing down and time quotes down from car to car. I mean, this is mainly on the detail side rather than our full service and mm-hmm. ex- express mm-hmm. washes. But we, uh, we have a pretty good system of pricing and time quoting down. But we do get a lot of cars. I think that there are some things that we need more time to go into that we maybe didn't notice when we began. So I'd say I'd say the efficiency of of the detailing, um, trying to squeeze the dollar out of every minute that we're working on their car. Cool, good answer. Wow, nice. Thanks, man. No problem. Thank you. We're not going to ask him about the uh, about his dolls. We're not going to. Well, I mean, yeah. on the way over here, he, like, he got up close to me. And, like, you know, I like Mac. He's a good kid and everything. But, uh, I, you know, he just, like, snuggled up on me. <laughs> Forcefully. And I didn't mind it at all, really. Are you ignoring us down there? Oh. Hey, what's up, Daddy? <laughs> Introduce yourself, sir. My name is uh, Chase. I'm a, I work with Bigsby's Cruise and Ospa in Bigsby, Oklahoma. I'm a manager slash part-time detailer as well. Um, what I had, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, what'd what you of, have? What'd you eat? I, I had the ribs and the mac and cheese. The ribs were really good. Are they baby back or what were they? Uh, no, this is be full they were, size. They were the full, full ribs. Yeah, that's full why ribs. I didn't get it. I love baby back. Cool. Good. You they are good? a baby back. Ah, I should have got on them. But... Uh, <laughs> still time. They're not out yet. Kitchen's not closed. <laughs> well, well, it is like what I would say, like, you know, it kind of is like educating the customer. You know, when they get a, when they hear a price, they hear they, they automatically think it's too high. They don't know what actually all work is going to be done and performed and realize why that price is that is set that way. They don't realize how much work is actually going to go into this vehicle. And that way, you know, you, when you do educate them, they do understand a lot more and they, you know, they'll appreciate the effort a lot more as well. Customer expectations. Yeah, it's customer expectations. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate what do you, you What do you out. think? What do you think? What, what, what do you think is a challenge in the detail? Oh, he threw yeah, it back, did he? Threw it back. What, so, so what do I think the biggest challenge in detailing is? Do you even detail? <laughs> <laughs> my back. That's the biggest challenge in detailing is my back. <laughs> he said, "Do you even detail?" <laughs> Uh, right. Um, man, I, yeah, price is probably, I would, I would probably go with, I mean, so from both sides, like detailer to supplier, as well as then detailer to customer, there's always a price battle, right? I know, I know detail shops or detailers, there's, we did a video just the other day talking about it, you know, like when you get that phone call and they don't want to pay the price that you're quoting them. I mean, that's at least in in Tulsa, at least where we're at. I know they battle that. Do you guys battle that a lot? I think that's a big thing, you Mm -hmm. know, battling, like, expectation versus what you want to do. Because as detailers, we want to get every car, like, clean. There's what you can do and what the customer can afford. And there is lies, you know, like the the happy medium. And, you know, it's like they say, um, you can shear a sheet many times, but you can only skin it once. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it like... 
if you talk to the customer about you know what they can what they need but then what they want to do that day you know you don't have to sell the whole thing that day you let them know like what you can do and what they can afford that day and then you kind of go from there you build a relationship a starting point and you can jump off from there and you know build a long term Exactly, exactly. Because I, I feel like that's the biggest battle for us where in our market and maybe others is, is talking about what the customer needs versus what the customer can afford and what they want to do that, that day. Yeah, probably so. You know? And just communicate that clearly. And like I said, build a relationship because you want them to keep coming back. So you don't have to knock out the ceramic, the, the everything all in one. But you get a starting point and build a relationship from there, you know. Maybe it's just the seats that day, but then you can build, you know, and go from there. Cool. Good question. Way to throw it back. A little boomerang action. <laughs> Who are you going to pass the mic to? Uh, I'll pass it to Joe. <laughs> Did somebody get uh, punted? Did somebody get punted down there? No. <laughs> who's that guy? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Who's that guy down there? Jung's a little nervous. He told Chase to oh, skip yeah. him. <laughs> Asian Fabio? <laughs> yeah. No, that, that dude that we always been talking about. What's up, guys? What's up, man? You got to tell us who you are. What's hey, up? I'm Joe. I work at <laughs> Cruising Auto Spot in Norman as well. <laughs> I also pretty much do what Luke tells me to do. Um, well, I've never really had a whole lot of experience in our detail shop, but what one you, thing... What do you do at Cruising? I'm a manager of the car wash no, department. We do full-serve washes, wipe down and vacuum on the inside. And one thing I've noticed there is, like, some customers won't know all the different services that we offer in our detail shops. Like, uh, certain stains, they don't think that'll come out, like things like that but you know all the equipment and chemicals can really get get a lot of things cleaned up and I don't think a lot of customers realize that but okay alright just like you, like Chase was saying like educating our customers on like not only prices and what all comes with that but just like what we're actually able to do question. yes sir Hey, Luke, will you repeat that question? Um, he said, um, what do you do when you're doing a detail and it's not turning out as expected? Maybe there's something in the seat that you thought you could get out, but maybe it's not coming out like you thought you thought it would. Uh, so I'd just get out a spray can of aerosol dye and go into town. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> That's a great question, by the way. Um, I will tell you, this is Jonathan oneself. Um, sorry, I just want to make sure everybody knows. You, you, you want to identify, by the way, the 2019 president of the IDA. It's a tough crowd. The, uh, so, um, I mean, I, I coach a lot of guys, and we get stuck in that a lot. You, you get too far into it, and you're like halfway there. Um, one thing I tell my guys is don't start a project. Literally, do not start it at all if you think it's like anywhere near that you need to negotiate with the client at that point so one i'd rather them eject than get sucked in and now they've got three hours into it and i'm not going to get the money out of it 
you know, at all. So that's one. The other one is if you're halfway into it and that's the case, there's a point that you, you, you stop and you either, you know, you, if you're at a home, you, you go and talk to the client or, or you pick up the phone and you call them and, and you start to tell them about the situation. Like, you know, I thought this, but the, you know, the reality is this, you know, and whenever you quote something, always leave it open-ended. Like, you know, this is, you know, I'm going to estimate that it's going to take a couple hours, but if it takes more, you know, we, we might need to add on to that. I would always leave that a little open-ended. Has a question over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and who's this? This is Bob Phillips. Hey, so Jonathan, you, you brought up something really cool that I think is really important, and we emphasize this a lot, and it's really good, is that you got to set the expectations for the customer going into the job, right? So if you jump into a job and you, and you, so you talk in percentages, right? You never say, oh, I can get that out. You basically say, I think I can get it to 80%. Let them judge what the 20 and the 80 is. So basically, you set yourself up for success at the end. If you if you jump into a detailed job and go, oh, we got this, we'll make this thing look great, they're thinking, like, it's going to be 100%. So if you go in and go, hey, you know, cars look great, you take care of your car, you, you market to the customer, you set the expectations early so they know what they're getting into. I'll just go ahead and do this because I know he's biting at the chomps. What he said. <laughs> hey, this is Keith Duplessis. I'm with PS Detail Products and Detail Plus, and I am the other Texan at the table tonight. So thank you guys for coming and seeing us in Texas. Thank you for bringing the podcast to us. I've been trying to get on this thing for a while, so I'm glad you brought it down. And, and dude, you're doing a great thing for everybody, so really thank you for that. Past president. Make sure they know that. Oh, yeah. Twice, past president. They fired me twice. That's, you know, dude... When you get second chances, get fired a second time. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to answer the question. You didn't want to answer the question? I said what Bob said. I mean, Bob's got it right. Look, the toughest thing is is that... Well, like Bob said, there's, this really isn't an exact science. So... There's no absolutes in detailing. There really just can't be. I mean, we can try and get a vehicle to its maximum potential for different situations. If you're going to give me enough money to do an hour's worth of work on your paint, I can get you to the maximum potential of an hour's worth of effort. Or I can get you to the maximum potential of the paint, and we're going to see how much time, material, and effort that's going to take. So, again, negotiate up front. Never make an absolute promise, and there are no absolutes on we can get it perfect. So, like Bob said. So that's why you should name your detail operation Absolute Perfection Detailing. I'm out. <laughs> I was going to name it 80%. <laughs> if I ever change my name, it's going to be mediocre at best. He's all right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what are you drinking? I'm drinking the blood and honey. Yeah? How was it? Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. What'd you taste? What do you got? Oh, yeah. Not much of a beer drinker. No? But I don't like, you know, ales that are too too strong. <laughs> this one is just, just right. Yeah, for an ale, it's right up my alley. Well, pass it down to the big man. He was going to try and hide. I wasn't hiding. <laughs> I just got passed over. Well, anyhow, hello, everyone. My name is Jung. I am the, hello, I'm the uh, owner of the Normans and Big Speed's Cruising Auto Spa, the brand. 
But kind of, I actually got a question. Since we're talking about customer expectations and percentages, is there a percentage that you would not go over? Telling, uh, as in, going too far? 100%. Well, <laughs> thank you very much. Safe. <clears throat> so, define the question a little bit more. So, I'm guessing since Bob said, you know, you'd be at that 80%, are you saying, when do you work too hard? No, I'm just saying, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is 80%. What would you say would be your maximum that you would tell a customer? 90%, 95%. Obviously, we'll you never want to say 100% unless you're building them a new car. But Yeah, thank you for setting me up for failure. <laughs> no, it depends on what you're working on, right? So, like, for example, uh, you know, paint correction is the sexy part of our industry. Um, it, it, it's really credible to say you'll bring the paint to 90%, 95%. The reality of it is, you know, you can get it to 90%, but to get it to 95 or 100, it's almost impossible. I don't even know it was ever 95 or 100 when it was put on the, I don't know that it was ever 95 or 100 when it was put on the car. And in most cases, I forget what this stat is, but like, you know, most cars have had some type of damage or ding even before they were sold for the first time, just in transit, 80%. I mean, it's crazy. So just remember that there's some, there's some real pitfalls there that you guys can get sucked into. And, and, and part of, part of understanding what we do and, and how we do it is understanding paint. So just be real careful there. I would never, ever, ever, ever commit to 100%. Plus, we're also marketing time, right? So there's only what the customer will pay. So typically, the customer is willing to pay between 80 and 90. So they get it to 95 or 100. That, that, that goes beyond the scope of profitability and effectiveness for the shop. Yeah, so that was about paint. Right. Now, so I think the original question was about interior. interior. Yeah. It applies. It applies. Yeah, it, applies. it applies. It's still the same, but, you know, it... it the only reason I brought up percentages was, you know, it protects your work, right? So that's why you, you, you tell the customer, you know, I can get it to 80%. Well, you may deliver the car and they were like, dude, you got it to 90. You know, let them fill in the blanks. Just never state that you can get it. Oh, you know, when you say I got this, the, the assumption is 100%. So you, you, you talk in percentages. It's just a really good lesson for detailers to learn. Yeah, the reality is, and then once you make that commitment, in your, in your own mind, and you actually commit to that 100%, you will give up life and limb. If you're anything like any of us, you will you will actually head down it for far too long. And like like Bob said, there's there's a profitability component. This is a business, and the reality is, is that we need to make sure that we're in business at the end of the day. And, and giving away free stuff never helps. So, and we've all had that minivan from hell, right? And you quote your normal price for for a minivan and. And I have spent 14 hours on a minivan and realized at the end of the day I made about $25 an hour, which is just not enough. Now, I did the job because I promised the customer that, and I'm going to do that. So uh, from the PDR industry, my best friend's a PDR guy in San Diego, and we talk about percentages all the time. So with PDR, it's the same thing. You could get that dent to, to 90% where nobody's going to see it. The customer comes out, and they look at it at certain angles. They can still see it, so they want it better. Well, you just spend an hour to get it to 90%. Well, it's going to take another hour to get it to 95%. Okay? Do they really want to pay that extra money for that? So with the seats, how many times are you going to repeat it? You know, you repeat it two or three times. Wow, boy, how, how much more am I going to do? And, you know, that's where you got to set that expectation up front. you got to tell them up front, we can make the seats look a whole lot better. They're not going to be like the day you bought the car. Never, ever, ever. 
You have to replace the seats if you want that. So, and to, to kind of throw something at that, too often in detailing, we detail for ourselves. We detail to get it to the perfection that we think we should achieve instead of to the level that the customer is both paying for and expecting. A lot of times, a one-step product, an all-in-one, can bring the pain up 70%, and the customer's like, wow. And we're like, dude, it's still trash. But the customer's like, wow. So we're, we, we've got to stop detailing for ourselves, and we've got to detail to customer expectations and bringing the vehicle up a level and leaving it with better protection than it had when it, when it got here. And if you can do that, you know, th that's really what you're after. To quote a, a guy from the rag company, I forget that guy's name, Levi, I think. You know, yeah, Levi. You know, and he said, stop marketing to other detailers and market to the people that you're trying to sell to. Well, part of detailing is, is, you know, sell to them the need that they feel they have, not the need that you really think you can achieve with your best effort. Sell them what, what they're after. If they want the car cleaned and sanitized and it look good and it's shiny and it's protected, we can do that in a price point they can afford without putting in 22 hours into the car, right? So sell to, sell to their need, sell to their desire, and then meet their expectation, but set an expectation that's real. So kind of then going to that expectation is what I'm saying. Even though we know that certain <clears throat> projects we could get up to 90% ourselves, but should we always have a like limit? Let's say, should we never tell a customer past 70%, just so we can undersell them and then they could? Well, the great Mike Phillips, uh, and if you don't know Mike Phillips from Auto Geek, Mike Phillips has a great line that says, you can make, take the car, the paint, the, the seat, the whatever it is you're working on, to its maximum potential. And at the end of the day, a panel may need to be repainted. That's just truth, right? That mm -hmm. seat may be stained irrelevantly, yeah. especially if they put Red Bull and vodka on the seat and let it sit in, in a hot sun for three months. Some of those stains yeah. just set, and, and that's kind of the way it is. And I learned this in, in uh, Cody, Wyoming, so take from that what you will. Yeah, so one of the first classes that I ever took with the IDA, I sat in with Jason Rose, and he was talking about stain removal. And, you know, there's there's a tremendous amount when you when you get certified and you understand all this, the, the things that we're talking about. But, you know, there's chemical reactions that happen, and it's on the pH scale. And one of the biggest problems that you might ever find, and you'll never know about this, is you don't know what happened to that stain before you ever got there. So if they actually went and put something on that stain that actually set that stain, you're toast. And you might look at it, you might have some red dye, you know, remover, you know, brown, you have a tannin remover. You know, so you, you might have all those things, but if they set that stain by using the wrong chemical in the first place, you, you can't do it. Like, it's, it's like you're done. So that's like one of the things, and, and you could say that to people. You, I, I always ask people, like, what did you use on it? You know, and then one of the things that happens there, and this is kind of a differentiator in price and understanding, is, you know, you have to educate the customers. And we talked about this. So as you're doing that, you ask them, well, what did you put on? And they're like, oh, well, I went and I got, you know, I got the 409 out. Well, okay, well, how about, you know, God, that's one of the worst things you can do. Um, you know, now you, you might have set the stain. Now I just changed. I just flipped the whole thing. Now it's like on them, like, you might have done this worse than ever. So I'm going to go after it. But the reality is, is 
I may not get it, or it's going to take me extra time. It might cost you more money. You made the stain and brought it to me. I didn't make the stain. I'm just trying to help you get it out. And I would say it just like that to them. I mean, I'm pretty straight with our, with our clients. That's how, exactly what I would say. They understand at some point. They're human just like you and I. So be real when you're doing that. Cool. Thank you. Nice little dialogue, John. Good question. You're uh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. John, what did you get to eat? Actually, uh, uh, split with Joe. I did a, uh, got some uh, pork chop and the brisket. Oh, yeah. How was the pork chop? Pork chop was actually really good. Juicy. Really juicy. Yep. Especially the fatty part. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. That's the way we like it, right? Yep. Yep. That's right. That's the way we like it. All right, we'll bring that mic on down. I'll pass this one over. Uh, I know, right? Well, so, but I don't think you've asked. Uh, I'll hold the mic. Yeah, I don't think you've asked your question. Or, we, you know, we, we've asked and we talked about, you know, what's the biggest, you know, challenges in our industry. What do you feel uh, is the biggest challenge in our industry? You know, I think we've accomplished a lot in really, especially the last 10 years. Um, I still say our biggest challenge in the industry to this date is not is, is less now the detail industry itself and more the consumer awareness and understanding of how to find a great pro who knows what they're doing, what they should look for as a purchaser. I think that's it. And I still say that, that our next big challenge is to get recognition as an industry both with federal government and and just in general with state and local municipalities we are still lumped in with the car wash industry or the oil and lube or but we're or the cleaning industry we're not really listed as our own kind of segment of the industry so i think those are our two biggest challenges left to hurdle we've really done something with like as being recognized as a true trade similar to a plumber is that basically what you mean yeah absolutely and, and we're working toward those things and there's a lot going on in the next six months to a year we'll see happen but i think those are still our two biggest challenges the biggest one really is educating our consumer and reaching those people and getting them to understand what we what we are and what we can do for their vehicles all right mr phillips so we're answering the question. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the question is, what do you see as the biggest challenge in our industry? Well, I certainly agree with Keith. I agree agree with what everybody else said. One of the things I want to emphasize is one of the biggest events in our industry is SEMA, and we all, as detailers, we all recognize that SEMA is kind of like the holy grail, right? All detailers get to go to SEMA. Do you realize when you register for SEMA, there's not a box to check off for a detailer? That's sad yeah, because you just have to be in the industry and prove that you're in the industry, but it doesn't have anything to do with. But you, you there's no box that says, yeah. you know, I'm going as a detailer. Exactly. It goes right back to what Keith is saying. But um, just to take a different spin on one of the things is, you know, I think about the, the heart and soul and the emotions of detailers. And one of the things I, the challenge of the industry is there's so much success posted on social media that you know other detailers that perceive that they're not doing as well that when it's the winter time they get depressed they get frustrated have you seen the meme where it's like in the summer and they're lighting a cigar with the hundred dollar bill and then in the, and then it says detailing in the winter and it's got a homeless guy like begging for money yeah and that's, i just I think mean, that detailers need to Oklahoma, make sure yeah. I would say that's definitely, especially yeah. midwest 
that, we, we slow way down. that they come together, that they that they all realize that you know it's it's it, you know they're not unsuccessful, right? This is a seasonal job. It has highs and lows. Not everybody can be you know the successful detailer. So I think I mean the not, not successful, just you know this this Facebook detailer, which. I just, it's great. I love, you know, Facebook and what people can share. It's spectacular. Everybody's going to see what everybody do. But I think it just needs to be tempered a little bit because, you know, there is also this dose of reality where, you know, that unrealistic expectation is out there. So, and we've talked about that on the podcast a couple different times. We actually even had a whole Instagram uh, at the very first of the year. We did a whole, you know, podcast based on, you know, Instagram marketing. So, I, one of the, you know, I think the question that you're asking, in a sense, the, the underlying is, why do we do that? Why do guys show off uh, so much and create even, even they could do filters, they could do angles. Uh, you could be in a dark garage and show a black car and it looks amazing. And then you got detailers that will pull cars out and they'll be like, see, it wasn't amazing. And there's this whole play back and forth on why we take photos the way we take them. Um, why do you think that is? Well, I, I think people, I think detailers do it because it's fun. It's entertaining and other detailers, I, I love to watch the work that other detailers yeah. are doing. It's spectacular. Yeah. I think that's ultimately why, you know, detailers do it. I, I, you know, some people say they do it for ego. I don't think many do it for ego. I think they just do it because I think other people watch. I appreciate to watch what other detailers are doing. I just think that, you know, they have to realize that there's, other detailers out there that maybe don't have access to that or that hey there's other detailers that have similar photos and don't trash somebody else right everybody can create the same photos i mean our industry is spectacular everybody in industry is pretty much for the most part it's the 80 you know there's amazing individuals that do amazing work every day i you know i'm just impressed everywhere i go that i see it i just you know i just I want everybody to understand that there's detailers that, you know, are also in a dark place. And, you know, that, you know, that that posting can have a negative effect, too. So remember those detailers when you're doing it. And and so maybe in those posts and in that, um, give more information than just taking the photo and maybe even talking about how they could achieve, you know, more info than just a show-off picture. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think they can do it. It's, it's more about post your picture to bring the industry up. Not to show off yourself, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's a mantra we live by. I want to bring, we, we, the IDA wants to bring everybody else up in the industry. And for the most part, so do the majority of the detailers. But I just think it's just important something to remember. Well, I would add to the, you know, why they, I'd add to why do they post. I mean, let's face it, a lot of you guys are, and you're going to be one here pretty soon, Fabian. You're going to be working in a garage by yourself at 9 o'clock at night. And the only other guy who's really going to see this car is maybe your customer. So it's kind of like our only chance to say, hey, man, I, I really did get a chance to do something cool with what I do. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But say that. This is a really cool opportunity I had. It was fun. I love this car. It was a pain in the neck on the paint, but the interior was easy, whatever. You know, enjoy that experience and share that joy. And I think that's cool. And if you can do it in a positive way, there's nothing wrong with it. But I get it. I mean, I see guys who work by themselves all the time, and they're like, this is the only chance I get to show off my work. It's spectacular. I mean, yeah. I love it. I show off my, I mean, yeah, you know, I, you asked if I detail ever, you know, he doesn't, not very often. I haven't in a while, but, oh yeah, I definitely still yeah, help. I posted a picture of that too. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll post a picture of helping out. Yeah. 
but I mean, so when we, when I first got back into, so to speak, and trying to learn social marketing and learn all that, I mean, it's just by nature. And so I think my answer to the question that I asked you, I think my, my answer is, well, as detailers, we're artists. And so what, what do artists want to do? They want to showcase their work. So I think it just becomes naturally inherent in us to once we do something that we like, we want to show and tell. I think it's just natural being artist. I think though the dilemma, which I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought up, is then there's detailers that just feed off of other detailers and then they could bring in a little bit of insecurity or a little bit of self-doubt. And you know, to those guys, don't worry about what somebody else is doing or you know, we get a lot of people that are like, oh, we want to just do exotics. No, we want to do paint correction. And it's like, okay, but to get to that level, that takes sometimes, a, what, 10 years, 15 years? Like, that takes a long time to get to have that type of clientele list. And you can't just open up a shop and within a couple of years be doing nothing but correction and coatings. I mean, so. <laughs> well, not in Oklahoma. <laughs> You know, case in point, we were at Nick Chapman's yeah. yesterday. What a fantastic shop and beautiful cars and, and you know, great clientele and, and all those things. But I remember Nick when he was in his first shop, which was across the road, and it wasn't as spectacular. It was a nice space. But, you know, Nick tells the story of when he was a baggage handler and doing detailing, and he had to kind of make the decision that I'm going to jump in this full time. And I was joking with him. I said, yeah, you're, you're an overnight success in, what, 15, 20 years? Doing you know? And, and it, So, I mean, there, it's never been truer that, you know, it takes a long time to build to what he's gotten to. And he says, you know, I'm almost 50, and I'm finally kind of getting to a point where I get to really do the fun stuff I want to do. So, you know, that pressure's on you, Fabian, to, to you know, how do I get to that? Well... Uh, and and Randy Doyle did a nice post the other day about this. You you have to have knowledge, and you have to have skill, and you have to learn. You have to be adaptable, and you have to to adopt new things. But you still got to have that last word, tenacity. You know, and it, it's it, it's an overnight success. And how many years has PNS been around, Bob? I mean, and Beadmaker is doing a great thing right now. But it's an, it's an overnight success in in fifty plus years for the company. Uh, not that the company hasn't been successful, but. All of a sudden, now it's in everybody's eye, you know. So don't don't get in a rush for that instant success, because uh, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of grinding and a lot of effort, along with all those other things. Good word, good word, Prentice. I want to know. Sorry, Jonathan. Prentice, I want to know. You grabbed a, a second beer, uh-huh. and you're not a beer drinker. Uh-huh. What'd you grab? If I could get the mic away from Jonathan, because, you know, he's the president of the IDA. And I'm looking up the song from Weezer, Can't Knock the Hustle, to play for you guys. <laughs> I love you, Jonathan. I'm just teasing you. Blood and Honey. And I'm normally not a beer drinker, but this is really, really tasty. And it goes down smooth, and it keeps going, baby. Yeah, what do you like? Uh, well, it goes down smooth. Yeah, it's got great flavor. Who doesn't like going down smooth? Right. And it, does, and it, and it uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of aftertaste. Just, just real nice, clean, clean, real clean. Yep, for sure. Bob, what'd you get? Did you get a second beer? You got a second? Maybe Jonathan, since he's sitting next to you, like strip it away from him. Yeah. So I started with the IPA, which I love, man. That's you know, but it's uh, 
7.2% alcohol on the IPA. <laughs> So I decided yes, to is. step back to the blood and honey, which is 7%. 7%. Wow, that really worked Big out step well. down. Let's talk about those percentages again, guys. I was really hoping for a different number there. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the uh, revolver's excellent. Oh, yeah. so good, right? No, it's awesome. Yeah. 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 All right, Jonathan, what... You're grabbing the mic. You're holding it. What's I ain't doing crap. It just... Everybody, I'm like the... I'm, I'm the stand for the other mic. The... Uh, I went back. Yeah, I'm just the other. I'm just the stand. The uh, I went to. Uh, I went back to the Pilsner. The Pilsner's fantastic. The uh, a traditional German style lager with American accent, and it is smooth. And you know me, I like it nice and smooth. I, I like it a little bit light. You like it smooth, and Prince likes going down easy. Yeah. Well, my wa- my wife my wife likes the Pilsner too. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and what exactly is an American accent? Uh, yeah. I think this is one. This is probably like half New Jersey, New York, uh, D.C., and Philadelphia all combined. This is definitely an American accent. That's good. All right, so let's transition a little bit. Um, I want to hear from the other guys about what they think some of the biggest challenges are in the industry. I think that the. Uh, I, I think we've all. Has everybody? Has everybody we all answered it? Yeah. All right. My name is Mac. I'm with Cruising Auto Spa. I just wanted to get uh, the uh, take on something from the more experienced guys. I've I found that there's a lot of good and bad advice on YouTube about detailing. There's been a lot of good no, things that I've no learned. No bad advice. No. <laughs> but you gotta you gotta you gotta cull the the bad stuff. So I wanted to I wanted to hear from from you guys if you guys think that that. If that's good for the industry or bad for it, having all this advice floating around. Really great question. I so I'll jump in first uh, since the mic's right in front of me. I th- I think it's both. I think there's a lot of really good stuff that comes from some videos. Um, I I early jumped on YouTube and then jumped off. Uh, we've just now started going back because we see the you know I I think the the value in in the way people are consuming content and it goes the same with I, I would say with Instagram and all the other social media I mean there's good and bad to it um, yeah they so at early on with YouTube the very big parts were how-to videos right. if, if you remember you this all you did was you you went into YouTube and you searched how to whatever and the people that came up dominant were the ones that showed you how to do something that was the that was the main premise of YouTube YouTube now has become, I mean, because now they have their own TV, they have their own seat, like, they have grown beyond, do what? Guys make profit, guys make a living on YouTube. Well, so so no, I mean just even YouTube as a whole, as a company. What they have changed and morphed into to where there's a lot of people that talk about, like, ABCs and NBCs, and those guys are out of business. Like, very soon out of business because you've got YouTube, you've got Hulu, you've got... You've got these other companies that are comp- I mean, it literally YouTube started as a how to do videos and now it's live streaming. It's, you know, it's so much more. <laughs> Jonathan couldn't wait. <laughs> Jonathan had to come jump in. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're right. We talked about earlier Larry from Ammo who came out to the pint night in SEMA. And, you know, you got guys like that have just grown phenomenal. Uh, what's interesting is is there's super young guys 
Uh, there's a guy that we follow that we've sent some product to. We're getting some, you know, some video. I was yeah. Not to steal Jonathan's thunder, but YouTube actually historically has done something amazing in the industry because, you know, 10 years ago, when you got 10 details together and you all asked them how to do pain correction, you got 10 different answers. Now, because of YouTube and other sources, you get 100 details together and you ask them how to do pain correction and you get about 90% a very similar answer and that's because of the availability information so there's a there's a total upside to that which is actually improve the quality and professionalism because of the access of information so I mean that that's huge and we got to credit that for YouTube and social media because prior to that detailers were isolated right. there was no there, there was nowhere to go but the local guy right so there, there, now there's a negative side to it, but there was a there's a huge positive side to it because it improved the industry. Yeah, and so I mean, there's there's definitely positive and negatives. I was going to point out one guy that we followed for a little while, uh, Wilson Auto Detailing or something. I mean, he started just it seemed like just a couple years ago, and now you look at his YouTube. I mean, his his following is phenomenal. His Instagram has tons of people following. And that's what he does. He just always posts videos on how to do stuff and shows different products showcasing and everything. So. I I hate to I hate to be neutral in the answer, but I would say it's both. Like I mean, you you've got some good and minuses to where is what Keith said, and some other guys will say is, you know, YouTube certified certified detailer, right? Whereas then we certificated is that what I said? Yeah, that's, that's, awesome. that's that's the blood and honey right there. That's the blood and honey. Yeah, baby. You know you've got you've got both sides. You've got guys that are actually producing great content and great videos, and then you have some guys that. It's sad. We joke about it that they're YouTube certified, but that's the way you 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 talk to some young guys. That's how they learn. Like that's literally just programmed into their DNA that in order to learn detailing, in order to learn some different stuff, they need to go to YouTube and watch it. I think though that like YouTube, that's within the industry because I needed to change a ballast in a light of my house. And I looked it up, and I saw four different ways to do it. So I don't think it's anything specific. I think anybody with a camera that can upload, I mean, you're going to get differentiating opinions and ways of doing things. I don't think it's a bad thing, though. The spread of information is overall a good thing, you know, and, and people watching those can take that in and make up their own mind. Exactly. You're like this guy. This guy's in his garage and has two teeth. Well, I mentioned. I, don't think he knows what he's right. about. I mentioned Wilson. <laughs> don't make fun of me. I mentioned Wilson earlier because I think what I was trying to say is like you. You'll start to see guys that'll start, and then whether they climb, you know, yeah. the cream of the crop will always come right. to the top. And so I think Larry's a perfect example. You know, as the way he's devoted himself to that and he's grown. What he's been able to do through YouTube is it's phenomenal. His passion for educating and teaching people the right way is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, I think I've, I've found that we've had a lot of customers that come in and uh, <laughs> once, they, once they see the YouTube video, they say, I want no part of this, and then they'll bring it to us. So I think that's been a positive to it is, you know, the, the information that they, they find that they, they really need to find a professional. So, yeah, so this isn't cleaning your carpet with a rug doctor. This is so. This is so. There's depth. a really good. There's a really good book. A really good book revolved around what you just said. It's called okay. Utility. Why you and then Tility, right? 
the premise of his book is you put out all the information on how to do things, people try it, they realize they can't do it as well as you, so who's the professional that they're gonna turn to that's right. when they can't do something? Well, the person that's been telling them how to do it, so if, if you put out a ton of content on on detailing and how to detail this car, how to detail that car, how to do this, like, and then when they try it and you're, and you're a car wash you. that's around the corner, who are they gonna go to? You. Yeah. So I mean, I we we put we suggest to every car wash, every detail shop, anybody that's got a business, don't let YouTubers take you out of business. Y'all should be doing your own YouTube channel, documenting and showing how to do the work yourself. Because locally, people are watching it. We've already said that people are watching it. So why not have your own channel that you get people to watch, and then they come to you for the service? Yeah, it's a true paradigm shift. Um, and, and we've seen a lot of them, and it depends on how long you've been alive. Um, I'm sure Prentice has seen more than I have. Um, the, uh, wow! What, I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah, exactly. Put Speak your up, Sonny. In. We can't hear you. The, uh, so, um, so anyway, the, uh, so it's a true paradigm shift. So paradigm shifts happen, you know, it's the, the flip phone to the smartphone. Um, you know, and we're seeing it in video right now in television. And the funny thing is, if you really take a step back and you look at it, um, you know, the NBCs and stuff are going away. The big studios are getting challenged. Um, but the reality is, is that there's more content being produced than ever before. So what does that mean? That means that there's more actors and actresses and film crews and production crews and, you know, cities are being, you know, infiltrated and brought revenue for filming things all over the place now. It is amazing. It, we've, we've, the paradigm shift for, for that industry is that they've taken the, you know, the multi-million dollar superstar and they've made a gazillion, you know, $500,000 superstars. And it's really great, and, it, and it's taken a lot of people that were obscure before and like brought them up very, very quickly in, into the spotlight. And I'm telling you, the th same thing goes on like in our industry is it's it's changing every day. And the, the YouTube of the world, I'm with you 100%. I think it helps. Um, you know, it helps and hurts. I mean, in every case, the but I'm telling you, like the the, the how tours and the do-yourselfers, they go and try that thing, and then they, they you know it. It only helps, I think, the education and letting people understand what our industry is about and, and the, the difficulties that we actually do as professionals. It helps you. It should help your price point. But the thing I will say is that you guys really need to pick the medium that you want to market from. Um, and I, I can think of like you know, you know, some people like to be on YouTube, like we talked about, Larry. The um, you know, if if you just you're a quick and you want to snap a picture and post it, then you should, might be an Instagram person. And so there's you know, if you're you like to tell a story and do live video and make fun of your friends, like I do here, you might be a Facebook guy. And you might be old like me, and you know that's also true. You know, but there's different mediums, and you guys got to figure out what you like. And you know, just if you like video, then that's your platform, and just go with it and stick with it. And you can drive. The, the beauty today is you can take your websites and you can connect everything to the medium that you really want to fly from. So you got to figure out what you want, and then you got to go forward. You know, speaking of mediums, um, so I've lived in a neighborhood of San Diego called Point Loma since 1989, and what's happening in my neighborhood is I am. All right, Jesus. Why is it all about my age? So the far anyway. end of the table is now out of the conversation because we're not speaking to their era. So let's bring them back, Prentice. Bring I can just back. put the mic down if you want. 
So my medium is networking. And my medium is neighborhoods and networking and community. So people know me in my neighborhood as I'm the detailer. So when something goes on next door about, hey, I need a mobile detailer, my name comes up 20 times and you got two or three other names that pop up a little bit. So, um, so again, to what Jonathan's saying, you got to pick the medium that works for you. Well, now, I'm going to comment on what you said earlier about the major networks uh, being challenged by some of the smaller networks. But what that's actually doing is making the major networks up their game. And this is what's happening. This is what's happening in the detail industry, that if we all challenge each other, the game of detailing all across the board is going to go up. So that's my comment on that. You know, great comment today at the CEO forum at, at our event uh, at the Southwest Car Wash show. Um, he was talking about major brands that have disappeared from the marketplace. And they either didn't adapt. I mean, Sears at one point, when we were kids, yeah. for you guys, yeah. um, the Sears Christmas catalog was better than the Internet, right? Because that's where you did all your kind of shopping for the things you wanted to get. That was your wish list. Who's your wish list as a kid? Nope. Don't go there. I didn't um, get to see a Sears catalog as a kid. But there were places like... You haven't lived, so you've been in the girdle section. Right. Yeah, exactly. But those th things come and go, and you either you either rise up and you, you get better or you get left behind. So, you know, that's a great lesson to, to keep in mind. By the way, speaking of getting left behind... Um, I am drinking, I think the only one who's had it, the Sidewinder. This is a Southwest. Oh, nicely Pale done, Ale. Keith. Yeah, nicely done. All right. So this is a unique pale ale featuring regional flavors from the Southwest. <laughs> brewed with agave nectar, citrus, maize, spice, and finished with citra hops. So from Revolver Brewing, uh, yeah. lovely. Um, so, but Fantastic. So you read us that, tonight. but what do you taste? Like, I mean, what's what's going through? Dude, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's... Uh, it's a nice pale ale, but it's a little bit sweeter, and it does have a kind of a citrus flavor to it. So it's kind of neat. It's not quite as bitter as you'd think a pale ale would be, um, and it goes down smooth. Luke, it's so when you're, when you're not drinking an IPA, I mean, a pale ale, help us understand what the difference between a pale ale and like an IPA is. A pale ale is a transition beer. You know, it's, it's something... Gateway? It's a gateway, if you will. It, it leads you down the path of righteousness, if you will. Well, I am looking to get myself a vanilla porter at some point tonight. But oh. Vanilla, I, I am a huge fan of a stout porter. Um, I love them. Cold weather, you know, dictates you have to have you them. You kind of do. You kind of do. It's just a thing. Exactly. Um, and coming from Oklahoma, we have a lot of good... Uh, great, great stouts uh, made. Well, it by seems like I need to come up and do an on-location <laughs> podcast with you and get uh, some I local call beer. It great, but it is what it is. Uh, the biggest popular one is Prairie. Mm -hmm. Prairie dominates in Oklahoma. I mean, I think they. I think they're known nationally too. They're known internationally. Um, we are very lucky to have Prairie, and they they are uh, far ahead of their time. Um, in all the stouts, you know, just their Prairie Bomb is known worldwide. Um, you get into their specialties that they do, with whether it's the um, Christmas Bomb, the um, Consider Yourself Hugged, uh, Pecan. Um, For the rest of the world, that's pecans, but if, if you're in the Texas, <laughs> no, it's no, pecans. It, it's, it's, we call it pecan, too, but they call it pecan. On Well, that's right, yeah. 
So yeah. isn't that a pecan pie? It's a pecan pie. <laughs> Listen, Yankee. Okay, before she goes, give her a hand. Christina has been our bartender all night. She's fabulous, and thank you for taking care of us. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, towards the end of what we always do, we always talk about a, uh, uh, a tab out question. Before you get to that, tab out. I, I, I had one question. And I have one oh, question. Oh, we got multi questions. Just I, one? I really do. Well, because we're eating Like seven parts or just because one question? We detail. <laughs> I, I thought about this because we had this happen to one of our details. Um, so, what's the best barbecue you've detailed out of a car? Oh, that's a good one. That's the tab. We'll, we'll scratch the previous tab out question. That's the question. Great job, Luke. There you go. Cheers. So, cheers. Uh, cheers. Salute for that one. Good, good call. So, the, say the question again because we we're in shock. So, what's the best barbecue you have detailed out of a car? And I'm talking a <laughs> spill, baked beans. Brisket spill, you know it's happened. We've had several in our shop before. So go ahead. Oh, okay. So um, I throw some magnificent parties. You, well, before I had children. Tell us how great you are. Uh, I'm so great. Um, but I had one of one of my best detailers, Dan Seeger, uh, came over to the house and he brought his famous baked beans and he had two pans. And of course, some old lady pulled out in front of him, and he had to slam on the brakes. And we had two pans of baked beans, and they smelled so good. Even the day after, you know, like after the party. And uh, so anyway, you know, obviously we had to steam, uh, we had to wet the hack, we had to do it all. But um, that was probably the best smelling car we had to detail. And it, it took a while to get all the baked beans out of the carpet. But uh, do you guys have any experience with this since we're eating barbecue tonight? And if so, tell me about it. I just want to ask if you're talking about uh, digested or undigested. It's open. Open question. Okay. Whatever you want. I would say either Okay. I, I've seen both. I've definitely seen both. A lot of uh, not the seeing, girls it's the smelling. In, uh, in Norman. That cannot hold it down on a Saturday night. So, probably say. Was it brisket? You know, I didn't. It's unclear. It's unclear. You know, it, it could have been. Blurry. There were some, some beans in there also, you know. I don't know. Was it malodorous? Malodorous. Thank you, Steve. Did it stink? Thank you, Steve Oaken. Once the steam hit it. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's Ooh. when it, that's when it really the started. Odor. To, Good call. To simmer. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would say that would be it for me. Some. Uh, well, you some got Norman somebody Oklahoma next to you. What, what's your worst? Uh, I've never actually had an experience. Oh, never had a barbecue. Hey, here in Texas, come on. I've never had. Uh, never had it yet. Knock on wood. We'll work on that. Prentice, you you've got to. It's not barbecue. But bring it. Okay, so it's a, it's a cooler that stored some fresh caught fish, and they left the cooler in the car, and it spilled into the back seat of a BMW. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, all right. Yeah, Bob. No. Can't touch this. Jonathan. I'm a clean car detailer. 
Bob's a clean car detailer. Nice, nice. Yes, there you go. There's, there's a special level of, of, of person that's just a clean car detailer. That must be nice. Yeah, yeah. I've I've taken so many things out of vehicles. It's it pains me to think about this topic. Uh, barbecue is uh, barbecue is a funny one because um, you know I'm I'm in, from North Carolina and, and and our barbecue doesn't stink. So uh, you know, even days later. Um, I, I didn't go on the record of that. I don't need another controversy on this podcast. Okay, I don't want to call anybody out on like whose barbecue is better, but like you know, you guys all—they're fighting over there. You know, we got vinegar-based pulled pork. You know, it's different. Oh, we we do we do some good stuff up there. So yeah, two, two three things come to mind. One, I'm like the go-to Uber car detailer of America, um, and. Man, you know, and the worst is they call me up and we quote them and we know that they get 150 bucks for the service, but they're still trying to hose me on the price. I'm like, what are you kidding me? Like, like really? That's like national news, isn't it? Like 150 bucks. Like you puke in a car, it costs you 150 bucks. You do. And then they want to pay me 50. Like, awesome. That's great. So one, that's like a fun one. Uh, two terrible stories. Um, you know, searching for a smell. I don't know if you have, have guys have ever done this. <laughs> Actually, I, I have one extra one. I have one extra that I just thought of. So, um, so one, one, the, the, I remember my first time experiencing this is like digging for a smell, digging for a smell. And, you know, finally I took out the back seat of the car and I found a pack of chicken that the person had bought and it must have fallen out of their bag and slid under the seat. So that's pretty brutal. I got to tell you, like that is like unreal. The old hidden um, chicken. The old hidden chicken. The other one was uh, a woman, a woman had, uh, spilt a gallon of milk in her trunk and yeah. and i gotta tell you that stuff can go anywhere and you might never ever get that smell out like you got to decontaminate that sucker or, you know um the odor bomb decontaminator there's 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 something out there the uh but it, that's a brutal one because you can never you're cleaning what she gave you you don't understand like she tells you oh my my i i made a spill in the trunk but she didn't tell you that like this thing ran pervasively through her entire vehicle um so and then the most recent, this is actually a true story, most recent, um, we had a rental car uh, company that we work with. They called us out. We went out and we cleaned the car. We went out and odor bombed the car. We went out and deodorized the car, you know, uh, chloronite tablet deodorization, and still did not get that. They call us back. We're like, what are you kidding me? So we're like, we're out. <laughs> we're out. And we're charging her for all of that. Okay. <laughs> they took it to uh, the dealership. The dealership pulled the dashboard off and they found a a dead five foot ball python wrapped up inside the dashboard i will send you all a, i will share a pic with with rick and marty and we'll put it with this podcast i will show you what a ball python looks like in a dashboard True story. okay so i have two barbecue stories for you number one is actually a barbecue it is a barbecue but it's not the barbecue you're thinking of so I get a call, and the lady says, I have a smell on my dash. And I'm like, hmm. So do you have a dog? And she says, yes, I do. I say, you keep the car in the garage? She says, yes, I do. I say, you feed the dog in the garage? Yes, I do. I said, you need to have your dash taken apart. You've been barbecuing a rat or something on your heater core, and that's what the stink is. She calls me back a week later and says, how did you know? Experience. And the second barbecue story I have has nothing to do with barbecue spilling in the car. But it's Cody, Wyoming. It's the summer. It's kids on summer break. It's Red Bull and vodka. And they spill Red Bull and vodka in the car on the carpet. 
I have not met yet the red dye remover, the stain remover that can take Red Bull and vodka that has been cooked into a light blue carpet for two months out of a car. And that was, I, I go to do a training, and this is Bob's, kind of goes back to Bob's, I'm a clean car detailer. I'm going to do training. I'm going to train you guys how to take stains out, and that's what they give me. Yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> it, was, it was an utter failure moment. But, and as I say, I haven't met the thing yet. They can take Red Bull and vodka once it's been set into a, a carpet. So, I know it when I see it, though. I know it when I see it. Cody, Wyoming. No right. place better. All right. Anybody else? Anybody else? Barbecue stains? Yeah, we've gone around, man. The worst, the worst I ever saw at our shop was... Uh, uh, a Thai restaurant down the street. Good friend of our shop. Uh, she came I, in and she spilled uh, curry oh. um, all through her PT cruiser. You know, she had like it just went everywhere. And curry's got a stink. It had that smell. Oh. And you know, like I like Thai food. I really do. But once you hit it with steam, and like it just yeah. like spills. <laughs> It was months before we could even think about eating Thai food again because it was just so thick. I mean, it was just unfortunate. It was unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it, I love, I love going there and eating. Is that the place that we've gone? Thai Thai. Yeah. Yeah, down the street, mm. and she. It filled the whole detail shop. I'm not gonna joke. <laughs> like, it, it was strong. Cool. So great tab out question. So we'll encourage any of the listeners to post their, you know, we'll take a, a picture here in a minute. We'll put that as the, uh, as the, uh, absolutely as the, the, the post for the, uh, the episode. We encourage any listeners to then put down any, uh, special barbecue or food stains that they've had to clean. Definitely. So Luke, uh, nicely done on the question. Um, let's close out with social media handles so anybody and everybody can, uh, you know, Luke, why don't you, you know, tell us for, you know, for your whole crew and then let, uh, then everybody else can do, uh, do theirs. Cruise in Norman, uh, for our Instagram and Facebook and, uh, cruise in Bixby, the same, uh, both. C-R-U-I-S-E-I-N. So not two ends, just one. Just one. Not an end like they're going to stay there. Just yeah. they're coming in and it's out. It's just like you don't want to stay there. Like, you know. You're cruising. Yeah, not like uh, Joseph like and Mary. Just like, <laughs> cruise in. So I'm just going to throw this one out here. I think it's a great one. It's kind of been our, our mantra since SEMA. Um, hashtag detail industry strong. So throw that out there. Uh, it's an industry thing. And uh, I want to give credit where credit is due. That's Mr. Bob Phillips who came up with that. He's got us with our our black and white detail industry strong bracelets. Oh, so cool! Great. Everybody we got them got in the car. One? We got them with oh. us. They're available. <laughs> yep. Come by the IDA booth. Come on, man. Yep. And then hashtag the-ida. That's a good one too. So those are the two I'll leave you with. <laughs> Hey, Jonathan Munsell here. The uh, they're they're calling us out on who's running the booth tomorrow. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Were you like, commenting uh, that today's was not run very smoothly? Is that what you're saying? 
He said the guy kept hitting on him. <laughs> so the the idea here is is here in Strong. We had a booth at the Southwest Car Wash Show, which we're all here yeah. for. Yeah. Um, but guys, you can hit me up on Facebook. That's the best place. Jonathan Munsell. Love to hear from you. Love to connect. I I've connected with people from all over the world recently. Um, I'm telling you, I love it. Bring it on. Ask your questions. I'm here. I'm here to help. I'm here to help you be successful in your life and your business. And, and the IDA stands behind that, and that's what we're doing. But I will play my my theme song on my out. There it is. He's got the head nod. And <laughs> he was getting after it. Yeah, Where's the bell bottoms? Thank you, Jonathan. Bob Phillips here. Hey, uh, Marshall, I want to thank you. Pints and Polishing, man. Hosting us all for uh, a wonderful barbecue and uh, beverages this evening. It's awesome. Cheers. And I also want to give a big uh, thank you to Nick Chapman last night for hosting us. It's, you know, the guy does it every year, and we really got to blow this up next year. And I, I had this strange thought. Next year we should do Pints and Polishing at Nick's shop yeah. during the event and bring beer in. Because be we're paying for the food. We just make it all happen in one spot, right? I think it would be really incredible. Anyway. If you want to reach out to us, well, PNS I mean, Detail Products beer, I mean, who wouldn't come on beer, right? Instagram, Facebook, yeah. the web, everything. It's under one thing. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it, Marshall. Thanks, Marshall. Hey, this did is... you give your handle? That's yeah, the whole point. You did. Oh, I didn't you were that. busy speaking. We were too busy talking about beer. Yeah. <laughs> Prentice St. Clair, Detail in Progress. Uh, probably my best handle is on Facebook, detailinprogress.com. Just come on in there and check it out. Thank you, Marshall. This is great. Come to the IDA website. Come to the IDA booth tomorrow. It's all good. The guy that wasn't supposed to be on. Yeah, I'm not even supposed to be here. Don't tell his wife. Don't tell his wife. Fabian Wells, uh, Metroplex Detail Intent. I'm still trying to get a hold of the Instagram thing. That's like new math, man. I'm with you, man. It's it's totally different from Facebook. But uh, my my uh, uh, username is uh, Metroplex underscore detail on Instagram. There you go. <laughs> now go ahead, Mac. My name is Matt Gaskell. I'm with Cruise In Auto Spa. If you need your car detailed or uh, <laughs> cleaned in uh, in Norman or uh, Tulsa area in Bixby, head to cruiseinautospa.com. Yeah, that too. You can book an appointment or uh, set it up either way. All right. Online. 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 All right. Thanks, Thank done. you, Marty. Appreciate the food. And You're the welcome, drinks. man. You're welcome. Whoa. We almost made it with all these wires. Oh, but Keith had to have the microphone for his last part. Hey, so I forgot. Uh, you can find me at detailplus.com or on uh, Facebook at detailplus. So. That's the other place you can find me. You can find me at PNS Detail Products as well. Um, two hats, but a lot of fun. And again, one last thing. Marshall, this is fantastic. You got a great podcast going. You're doing a lot for the industry. We really appreciate it. And we cannot thank you enough. By the way, thank you for hosting us for dinner and for pints. And uh, if you're lucky enough to do this and you get a pints and polishing podcast glass, um, they're really cool, and, they and again, dude, you're doing great stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, nice. <laughs> I spilled my beer. That's awesome. And uh, thanks to Revolver Brewing. That's where. I, thank you. That's where I was gonna go. And don't forget to leave five star reviews on iTunes. 
Oh, uh, for the podcast? Uh, yeah, I guess wherever they listen to it. Wherever you listen to it. But I think it would be cool. Yeah. So we've had... <laughs> Anywhere you can find them. Anywhere. We've had guys that uh, have listened to the podcast and then went out and got the beers, which yeah. is cool, which is what we're trying to do, um, is to encourage people to go try some different beers. Um, you know, Prentice, like you said, you don't traditionally drink beer. What's a delicious beer, right? And so that's sort of what we also want to do is, is not only encourage the growth of our industry, but since we all like to drink beer, then, you know, try and change our palates. Yeah, try and try new things, which is why we always like to ask, well, what do you taste? What, what flavors do you have? So people can get different ideas of what they might or might not like in a beer. So definitely Revolver, thank you so much. Uh, which we've said, I mean, we traditionally, whenever we come to Texas. Absolutely. Yeah, like we've got to get Revolver Brewing. Um, but uh, being here and to be able to drink all these was delicious. And uh, to Lockhart Smokehouse. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for hosting us. Um, kudos to Lockhart, definitely. So uh, you can find uh, us at Pints and Polishing Podcast on IG or Facebook. Or uh, like I said, I'm Marshall at Total Auto Solutions. And... Um, you know, what we always say is that we hope you make it a great day. So thank you guys yeah. so much for yeah. coming. Yeah. Thank you all for coming out. Thank, uh, you. thank you for listening. And, uh, and that's a wrap. <laughs>